Welcome back, everybody, to the Stadium Journey podcast. Thanks for joining us this evening. Our website, datingjourney.com, it's the world leader in sports travel information. We've got reviews of over 2,600 stadiums from all around the world. And uh, we're more than just an awesome website. You can connect with us on our social media channels. Follow us at Stadium Journey. And you can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast simply by picking up your telephone or going on your laptop and search HIAC Talk Radio Network wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Video simulcasts of these podcasts can be found on our YouTube page. And our classic back catalog will still be found at vocnation.com. And if you want to be part of the live studio audience, we record live every other Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Time at danlaw.tv. All right, so the gang's not all here tonight, but most of us are. Mark Viquez is out uh, coaching his youth soccer team. They had a makeup game tonight, so he couldn't be with us here tonight. But Dave Cotney's here. You can follow him at ProFan9. If you're looking for Mark on the soccer pitch, he's at Ballpark Hunter. Dan Calachico's here. You can follow him at DanLaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at RI, And the RI stands for really interesting. Oh, he brought it back, baby. Yeah. I love that joke. I've been telling that as long as I've had that. Handle. It's on the trailer, man. I'm never going to get rid of that. <laughs> That's like a TS Garp. That's where I got that. Yeah. <laughs> TS used to stand for totally sexy, but not anymore. And uh, hey, why are we here tonight? College football's back in full effect. And what better way to start the college football season than with our old buddy, Andrew Bowles from collegefootballtour.com. Welcome back, Andrew. And hey, it must have been a big weekend at your house last weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, college football's back in full force. I was back at Camp Randall this past weekend, and I had friends flying in from all over the country to see this game. It's going to be great, and we blew it against Washington freaking State. Oh. But, the, but the good thing, good thing, Oops. is the other half of my household right. downstairs watching the replay of the Appalachian State Texas A&M game. <laughs> And very happy on that end. So I switched the flags in front of the house this morning. It's you know my, I found my Instagram. I did a little reel of, of it. Uh, so that, that's that's basically where I am right now. I'm 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 rolling with the appsters right now. I know when I saw that score, you were the first person I thought of. Oh, I'm honored. I don't. <laughs> I think <laughs> you just become part of the. Stadium Journey podcast family, I guess is what there I'm saying. There you go. I love it. I'm so honored to be. I love being with you guys. It's a, it's, it's. I look forward to it. All right, so for those of you who are, are not longtime listeners or might be new to the podcast, uh, Andrew joins us pretty much every college football season. And uh, the reason he hooked up with us is he, he is on a quest to visit every single FBS fo- football stadium. And... Um, well, aside from the goalposts moving every year, you get pretty close to the end of the line, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm going to hit 100 this year, which is going to be great. Um, and yes, the finish line does continue to move in the direction I don't want it to. Um, but that's okay. I mean, so James Madison got uh, uh, moved up this year. They're on the list now. And next year, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State will be. So 133 is the number. And I'm hoping I can get it done four years after this one. 133. That was my next question. What is the number at nowadays? 133. 
just say 133 because it's happening next year, you know. So, so you're so you're at 100. Uh, let's see, I am at four. <laughs> we already had that discussion. We did, and, and my it, number hasn't moved in it. I don't. It might move to five this year. I'm hoping. Fingers oh. crossed. Oh, I want to know more about that. I don't know if now's the time to ask, but I want to know. Oh, more. you can you can ask. You're not going to ask. What? Tell me what number five is potentially. Well, it's it's very much up in the air because depending on I'm uh, doing PA for a Division three football school, so that takes up some of my Saturdays, and Stadium Journey takes up a lot more of my Saturdays. So. Um, I do have a couple weekends free, so I may end up at Rutgers one of these weekends because they're the only one that lines up and is within driving distance. So if I get number Army, UMass, UConn, and Boston College. Hey, that's Rutgers, my, my place of college football. That's a fun place. I, I went there when they didn't have very many fans in the stands, but I still felt the, you know, the tradition there. It's a pretty, pretty great place. I almost went to Rutgers when Army told me that I wasn't allowed to go to Army. Not that I'm bitter or anything. You ever hear that story, Andrew? <laughs> Dave loves to tell it. Uh, I think I've told it. Yes, think, on, this, uh, on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I've told it on this podcast a, yes. a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, the landscape is changing. And, uh, Wow, it's really changing. So we got 20. It, it seems to be that, that there are two conferences that are intent on just beating each other senseless. So uh, the SEC makes a big, huge splash and they sign Oklahoma and Texas to join for 2025, which is a big chunk out of the Big 12. And... It seemed to sort of quiet down for a bit. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, and I mean nowhere, the Big tw- uh, the Big Ten, which hasn't been 10 in, I don't remember when they were 10. But pre-1990. <laughs> and what's the problem with not up? Why can't they just be the Big 14 now or the Big 16 or whatever? Marketing. Uh, talk about any, the goalposts moving. Anyway, the Big Ten goes a little bit out of their geographic footprint <laughs> and they grab USC and UCLA to join not in 2025, but in 2024. So we're looking at how the conference alignments are aligning. So what do you, what do you, do, what do you think about these, about these moves? Um, first of all, I would say it's not, that far out of left field that this came from the big 10, the PAC 12 and the ACC did form an alliance once. I, although I really don't know what that means, um, but they did form an alliance after the SEC brought in <laughs> Texas. I, and Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean like, okay, buddy, we're pals now. I know. I know. I don't Look know that, that way. Swoosh. But it was, but it was, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was a whisper towards it was a slight harbinger, a little bit of foreshadowing. But um, look, I'm a I'm a traditionalist. I I love the Big Ten, Pac Ten, uh, you know, coming to the and I say Pac Ten because that's what I remember growing up. Rose Bowl champions, that whole thing. And um, but you know what? Despite that, I am I am good to go with this expansion and the things that need to happen um, are the things that are happening going forward because 
it's the only way you can keep up and really stay relevant. The Big Ten is doing everything they can do for shock value. And back in 1990, when they added Penn State, that was shocking. That was shocking. Penn State's so far out of the Big Ten's geographical region. How could you get Penn State? That's ridiculous. And that formed into this, you know, then Nebraska, then Rutgers and Maryland was a joke. But, you know, it's, it's, this is the way it's going. Don't fight it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that I hear a lot of fans say, gosh, I wish we could have more non-conference games against big power five teams. And these conference realignments are going to bring that, are going to bring those matchups that a lot of people want to see. And, um, you know, while a lot of the tradition is going to be swept away, I think the most important tradition that needs to be kept are rivalries and matchups. Um, yes, some of the some of the Rose Bowl and history of that may may go away, but you keep the Michigan Ohio State rivalry, you keep the Minnesota Wisconsin rivalry, you keep those and examples like that. You're going to be fine. It will be fine. Um, a lot of change and a lot more coming, but um, you know I'm starting to I'm starting to embrace it because I'm, I'm I'm hyped for the matchups. Well, it's interesting that you say you know rivalries because obviously that was part of the Big Ten when they well. You think um, that they took US, UCLA and USC together. Uh, I mean, it's possible that USC said, yeah, you know, we need UCLA to come with us because I don't think, well, I don't think UCLA on its own is attractive, except in that it shuts out the SEC from Los Angeles. Right. So, so you take, you take both schools and the SEC can't, can't take that market, which is a big market. And let's face it, it's a big college football market. It's a big college basketball market. Um, I, I, I heard once somebody talking about, you know, the Rams, the Rams won the Super Bowl. And in L.A., the Rams winning the Super Bowl was ho-hum. You know, oh, wow, that was great. But yeah, yeah. Um, I still think that, you know, USC winning a national championship would be bigger than the Rams winning the Super Bowl. I think it was back in the mid 2000s when Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush had those teams rolling. Uh, um, uh, you know, USC, and I've been there, um, is, is just steeped in tradition. Of course, you're grabbing the LA market, <clears throat> which is what the Big Ten is doing. They are looking to not, it's not only money, but it's recruiting. And the SEC, while they got Texas and Oklahoma, those are big brand names, and that's definitely going to add to their, you know, to their uh, to their brand as the SEC. The Big Ten is doing everything they can to grab now New York, with Rutgers and, and Maryland, if you will, Washington D.C., and you know the two LA schools. You got that. You got Chicago, and you got, you know, you you basically got Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. I could go on, really. I mean, and and. You know, they're, they're starting to smoke out the ACC even a little bit in what their, what their regioning is. It's not only the money for the television contracts and all that, but it's the, it's the players that are going to start coming. The only way the Big Ten saw, I think, to compete against the Alabamas of the world is to start taking land, you know? And, uh, and I, think it, you know, I think it's a great move. I, I really do in the end. And, it's, it's, and this is speaking from a traditionalist who, you know, loves history of the sport. But things evolve, and we're going to get some cool matchups going forward, and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. 
Well, let's let's stick with the rivalries for a second because I have a funny feeling this is not all played out yet because no. Uh, no. the governor of California um, referred to this, you know, USC UCLA movement and said, uh, "Whoa, whoa, wait up, wait, wait just a moment." Um, UCLA is a public school. Did the Board of Regents sign off on this move to from the from the Pac-12 to to the Big Ten? Well, no, they didn't. Do you know how I know this? Because I'm the head of the Board of Regents, right? <laughs> what is you know UCLA's departure going to do to the rest of the California system? You know, and I think specifically he's he he is talking about you know. The rivalry between UCLA and, and Cal Berkeley is Berkeley out all by itself now. So I don't know. Do you think? Do you think that it's that this is a done done deal, or do you think there's, you know, still some wiggle room happening? Do you mean? Do I think more teams from the Pac-12 are going to start moving, or is UCLA just not going to be able to make that move? Oh, okay. Um. I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard for them not to. No take backs. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm trying to simplify it, but it's kind of like that. I mean, it would be kind of a joke at this point. If, you know, um, as, far as, the, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, I think that is the conference of the five that is in the most trouble. Um, you can't think of, think of what would happen if you took away Michigan and Ohio State from the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin and Nebraska and and Penn State are big names, but Michigan and Ohio State are what birthed that conference and its relevancy. You can't take Alabama and Auburn away from the SEC and expect it to be the same. You pull UCLA and UCLA out, it's like pulling that bottom Jenga tile, and it's, ever, it's all just going to come crashing down. I mean, um, it seems to me like the Big 12 is starting to gain some ground here. The ACC, I think, will hold firm. I think we're going to have four big conferences when this is all washed out. And the big in the Pac-12 is going to be racing to go towards the Big Ten or the Big 12, um, you know, and figure it out. So I don't yeah, think this, I don't think UCLA is in trouble. I think the Pac-12 is in trouble. The, the schools that I think that are in, in trouble, the schools specifically, I mean, I think I think like Washington State is in yes. trouble. I think Oregon State is in trouble. Oregon may not be itself may not be a big deal but they got a lot of money the yeah. university of nike is a big deal yeah and hey did you hear that washington state i hope you enjoyed your win there at wisconsin that's all you get <laughs> <laughs> whenever you say washington state i think back to that john candy movie where he had he kept having to sing the fight song of washington state i don't remember which movie it was but I know that like, fight song too, so don't give me summer stuff. rental or something like that. Or sounds like summer rental, but I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, all I know about well, the big thing I know about Washington State is that their flag is at every college game day, and Keith Jackson went to Washington State, famous oh, okay. announcer. So oh, doctor. Go. Ooh, cougar. <laughs> um, I would say that, or I know Oregon and Washington have it's been floated to them about the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, I, I, it'd be hard for me to, I think Cal and Stanford would flirt with the big 10 because that's Bay area. That's another market. Um, I Stanford, think, Stanford really kind of fits the big 10 profile though. Yeah, Northwestern. Like, academically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and I think the teams that are in trouble are Arizona and Arizona State. I think Colorado and Utah, who just moved to the Pac-12 because they thought the Big 12 was going to fall apart. Mm. Uh, they're in trouble. Um, and then, like you said, Washington State and Oregon State, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, and this is all speculation. This is actually, right. it's actually more of what I've read. Um, you know, Washington and Oregon are in the mix, have been talking to the Big Ten, and the Bay Area is attractive. That, they haven't spoken about the other teams as much. So that's where I'm getting my information. Well, and, and doesn't it all seem to be now hinging on, like, the one player that seems to stir the drink everywhere, and, and it's the, the one that everybody seems <laughs> to talk about. It's Notre Dame. Yeah. Right? Like, what's Notre Dame going to do? And that just seems to be, you know, everybody's, everybody's talk. Notre Dame's interesting. It always has been. Of course, they have that NBC contract. But most recently, the Big Ten has signed a contract with Fox, CBS, and NBC. Uh, $7 billion, which is going to guarantee 80 to $100 million per university over the next seven years. Um, Having NBC now not just the Notre Dame Broadcasting Company um, could be interesting. That could be a flirt for Notre Dame to go towards the Big Ten, not to mention having USC join establishes a a rivalry that's classic. That's a possibility, Um, you know, and with playoff expansion, how important is it going to be to be in a conference? Um, I know Notre Dame is a lot of tradition and very likely and very well could do fine on their own. But the pressure is coming. It's going to continue to come towards them, and I'm going to be very interested to see what their decision is going to be. Doesn't it seem like we are a far cry from the days where, you know, being an independent was better than being in a conference? Like, you know, Penn State was an independent, and they loved their independence. And, you know, same with uh, Miami. They were independent for a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, those days are are just so long gone, aren't they? <laughs> now, now you look at your independence and you're like, UConn, UConn is an independent because they decided that basketball was more important than, than football. Because they're so bad, nobody wants them. <laughs> and, uh, and like the New Mexico states of the world are scrambling and starting to join conferences themselves. They're going to be joining Conference USA as well as Liberty. Um, so, you know, the, the value of being in a conference is starting to, well, not starting to, is, has been rising ever since the SEC constructed a conference championship game back in the early 90s. You know, the, the pomp and circumstance of a championship. And then, of course, the playoff expansion, which I expect we'll talk about at some point here, um, is, is going to put a lot of pressure on, con- I'm sorry, a lot of pressure on making sure that you are a conference champion or have a conference that is worthy of competition, you know? Now, since we're talking playoff, let's roll to the playoffs. So the playoff. recent, very, very recent announcement that college football is going to a 12-team playoff, which really, that that was the probably the most surprising part of this announcement was the number being 12. Um, do you think this has a, is a bit of a save for some of these other conferences? Because the top four seeds, which will all get a bye, have to be conference champions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine a scenario where they wouldn't be unless Notre Dame's still an independent or 
something along those lines. Um, yes. When you have a hundred, listen, the playoff system was fundamentally flawed from the beginning. You have five, you have four slots for five champions. That's a, that's a problem. You have five power five champions. So of course there's always going to be the screamers and, you know, TCU and Baylor, the first year of it had every right to scream when Ohio state got in and TCU and Baylor, who both had one loss on their record is basically each other um, were, you know, uh, upset they were out. Um, I've heard a lot. So, so, so to answer your question, yes, this expansion is to ensure that all 133 teams have a little bit more of a fighting chance. Um, you're going to get a heck of a lot more storylines, a lot more uh, great matchups. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how those matchups work because there's going to be some at-home games now in the opening rounds is what we're hearing. Um, but, you know, oh, and I've also heard that this isn't going to change who winds up winning the championship. You know, it's still going to have Alabama and Georgia. But the point is, is that you can't grow the sport unless we're having new teams play these teams that have been constantly in there. You know, the more the more you play each other, the more you're able to measure yourself with the best and, and figure out how to spread this talent. Um, I think ultimately, you know, it's going to definitely go through some growing pains, but this 12-team playoff, I think it's the right number two. I've heard 16 is coming down the pike too, but I think 12 is the right number. I really, really do. I think four buys and then having those eight teams after is going to be great um, and gives the opportunity for uh, the group of five teams, if that's still what it's called down the road, to have opportunities. Yeah, and if the possibility, I mean, if the if the landscape shakes down the way it does and, and you know, the Big 12 swallows a chunk of the pack, the pack diminishing returns, um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Will they become the pack six at some point? <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's the simple, the simple answer then, right? Like your, your four teams are the champion of the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 26 or whatever the last right. conference is. Right. <laughs> um, it's what's fun to do is to look back and see how the past 10 years would have looked had there been a 12 team playoff. And the matchups, first of all, are incredible. Conference, you know, conference rematches, which are a lot of fun, a lot of things like that. And the biggest thing is when you get out to 12, if you're the 13th team, you really can't complain as much. You know, you just can't. I mean, there's always going to be an argument. Always. I mean, look yeah. at look look, look, at, look, at, look at, at basketball, right? I was just about to say, look at basketball. Even though they have 68 teams, the 69th, 70th, and 71st teams are screaming with their arms up. It's always going to be argument. But there's going to be less of those TCU Baylor situations, which were heartbreaking. Right. Um, th those teams could have done something that year. And, um, you know, and I'm going to throw it back because I'm wearing a Wisconsin hat right now. I look at Wisconsin in 2017 when they went 12-0 and and then lost to Ohio State by six in the Big Ten championship game on the 30-yard line. No, I'm not bitter. It's okay. But that 12-1 and kept him out of the playoffs. That's ridiculous. You know, yeah. so um, this is, this is going to take those situations, those 12-1 and conference runner-ups by 30 yards. And make things, you know, much more fair. I think uh, it's going to be good. I kind of look at this as 
it's part of what I would say is the nationalization of, of college football. Uh, you know, in previous eras, maybe college football was the most regional sport there was, you know, for, for eons and eons. I, I just watched like for the uh, countless number of times, because it's my favorite 30 for 30 of all time is the SMU one, the, the pony excess. And they interviewed those guys after winning the Southwest conference and they were on probation at the time. So they couldn't, there was no bowl game. That was it. But they all referred to it as winning a championship, right? Like, like this was such a big deal. And, and, you know, Craig James is there. He's like, I never thought, you know, I thought this is great. I, here we are, won a championship. But like, I was like, you know, does, does Ohio state think that anymore when they win the big 10? Probably not. You know, does Alabama think about that anymore when they win the SEC? You know, probably not. They don't view it as a championship. They view it as, you know, the ability to go to the playoffs or or whatever. So, you know, it, why do we have this view? Well, because now we're watching. Now we all have to watch college football on a national level instead of like instead of like a regional level. Yes. So what you're saying is that the conference championships are diluted a little bit because of the playoff. Oh, totally. But the regular season has grown. So, you know, like Wisconsin losing, sorry, I keep using Wisconsin as an example, but it's what I know. Wisconsin losing to Washington State, it probably has killed their playoff shot. Let's just be honest with the four-team playoff. I mean, they beat Ohio State in two weeks, then they're back in. But, you know, it's not likely. So that's it. Now, you know, you lose early, you lose two, you still have a shot at the playoff. I think that's, I think that's really, really important. Um, it's, not like, it's not like we're including seven and five and six and six teams into the conference, <laughs> into the playoff discussion. We're, we're including, not yet. No, that's not go there. <laughs> Mike Leach, we're still under 10% of the teams. I know. Mike Leach <laughs> at uh, Mississippi State wants to make it 64. Uh, he's always been a little <laughs> bit of a whack job, though. But, um, but. Um, but seriously, like, you know, two lost teams need to be in the, in the conversation. If they're not, I mean, then there's something just wrong with the system. So, um, but you know, you, yes, there's going to be give and take with everything. Conference championships may lose a little bit. You get the guarantee that you're in though. That's a big deal. You can't forget about that. Especially if like in Alabama, we're playing a Kentucky in the championship game. What if Kentucky won that thing and got themselves in? So there, there are some there, there's some storylines that could really work out in the in the favor for for those conference championships still. Kentucky beating Alabama. Be I awesome. say that because they just rose to number nine in the country this week. They're yeah, really- I saw that. I saw Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl a few years ago. I was surprised how well they traveled for football and and how good their turnout was. It was it was a I good time. That. I got slammed on social media when I put out a way too early top 25 poll on Twitter and I excluded Kentucky. I didn't think there was a Kentucky Twitter base until I did that. I got <laughs> old. So of course I rearranged him. I put him in there and not just because I felt like I had to, I mean, they legitimately, they should be. And now they're really proving that they should. It's fine. That that's, that's fine. And teams like Kentucky are going to have this great opportunity to get there. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate like, teams like Alabama could go with a loss or maybe even two because they're Alabama a team like Kentucky has to spend the whole season proving themselves to get to a 14 playoff because they don't have any history behind them. 
So, you know, expanding to 12 will really help those kinds of teams. And what if they made those conference championships equal to getting those top seeds and those buys? Then they still do mean something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, was that a question? No, that was just a statement, right? No, that was a statement. Okay, good. I thought that was a question. Did I say it like this? But there's still room for tradition in there. You know, I, I actually like to see. So, okay. Right now, the playoff says that one through four will be a bye, which I think is good. Five through eight would have home games, or they get to pick a neutral site nearby. So, like, if you are uh, Minnesota in there, and you don't want to necessarily play in, T uh, oh, it's not TCF Bank, it's Huntington Bank now, Huntington Bank Stadium. Maybe you could slip over to. Oh, wait a minute! I was going to say the Metrodome. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, jeez. No. What's US, a good example? U.S. Maybe Bank. That, that would be. Well, say you want that bigger building, yeah. Or, or oh, here's a better one: Michigan State over to Ford Field. So something like that might might be an opportunity. So they get to pick either their home or a neutral site nearby. And then uh, here's what I worry about, though: is those. <laughs> this is the traditionalist in me speaking out. I worry about those nine through nine through twelve who have to play on the road um, at the five through eight. Are they going to get a bowl game experience at the end of the year? Those four teams would be the only ones who wouldn't get a bowl game because I assume that a playoff would still include some bowl games as consolation for those who didn't make the playoff. Those four teams not get a bowl game? Do they just get to get waxed at some stadium on the road and then that's the end of their season? I think. This is the one thing the playoff team hasn't discussed, and I'm, I'm waiting for the phone call to be included in the committee. Um, I think that those four lo losing teams should play in a consolation bowl game as well, just so that they have that opportunity at the end of the year. That's the traditionalist of me speaking out. A lot of people would disagree with me, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah you could call them, them the, uh, the we're going to sit out because we are all going to the pros and don't want to wreck our knees bowl. Yeah, my God, brilliant. I would watch that. <laughs> of course, this is speaking for me who would watch the Central Michigan versus Middle Tennessee State Bahamas Bowl, but that's fine. I'm a, I'm a unique breed. <laughs> I think I saw that exact matchup in one of the Motor City Bowls. I was guessing. I don't know if that was a Bahamas Bowl. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Bahamas Bowl. I don't know. I know Central Michigan was in one at one point, but uh, yeah, that's my point. I love bowl games. I still will. I don't care if it's empty. Oh, I'm there. I did the 2006 Motor City Bowl, Central Michigan and Middle Tennessee State. Thank you. See, this no sticks in my way. brain. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a, that's a beautiful mind going on there. <laughs> no, I knew I knew we had some wavelength here, Dave. I knew we did. I, there was something special there. <laughs> so conferences are growing and growing and growing. Um, and there's all this talk about teams moving, you know, which conference is going to poach which teams and, you know, the SEC is going to poach Miami and Clemson and whatever. Anyway, at some point you got to figure there's a, there's a limit to your conference enrollment. I don't mm -hmm. know what that limit is, but they got to be getting close. I've heard 20. Do you uh -huh. see a situation and I don't even know if this is possible. 
where a conference taps a team on the shoulder and says a school, I guess, a school on the shoulder and says, um, thanks. Go away. You're out. Mississippi out. State. Thanks. Vanderbilt. <laughs> See ya. I, I I thought of Vanderbilt, but, you know, Nashville is not tiny. So, no, and ba- that's a very good point. And Vanderbilt does lift up the SEC's academic. Exactly. Side. That's why you wouldn't get rid of <laughs> that's Vanderbilt. That's important. Um, They're like a Northwestern. I'm, sl- I'm sorry. I'm not slamming the SEC. I'm just saying I know that that's a valuable, like, cog. It's like our Northwestern, right? So, Big Ten's Northwestern. I don't mean to say our. Um, do they do that? Um, wow. That would be. Well, I think the Here, only, here's your parting gift. Get out. Yeah. I think the only conferences where that would be really offensive would be the SEC or the Big Ten. Because the Pac 12 is, is going to do it. They're going to have to. Um, you know, the, the Big 12, I mean, they've been. They've been They've been putting their nose up to Kansas football for so long. Of course, they're looking good this year. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, that would seem like a really harsh thing to do. To you know, um, you do have traditionalists out there who would find that just appalling. Oh, uh, absolutely. I. I. But money is driving the boat. I know, so I know. I know. I'm on that fence where I get. I, I feel like I was born in the right era. Like I. I've seen the eighties and the nineties and, and, and what it used to be. And I saw the two thousands where you saw things changing and now I'm living this era. I'm on the top of that fence and I can kind of see both sides of the story, but there's more future than there is past. So, you know, you got to look at, you got to look at what's changing and um, do I think it's out of the realm of possibility? Hell no, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I just would be shocked because I'm a traditionalist still. Yeah. I have that in me. It'd be very hard for me to see that. Uh, hey, South Carolina, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Have a nice <laughs> life. Welcome Miami. Sorry. I swiped left South Carolina. I, uh, yeah, I know. I'm um, but no, I, you know, they, there was a time when they actually were thinking about Northwestern on um, the big 10. This was pre 1995 when they had their Rose bowl, you know, miracle and not so much a miracle anymore, but there, there was, there was legitimate talks on the table about, you know, does Northwestern stay? Um, Northwestern is such a fascinating spot, right? Like they get, they get, uh, I would say, uh, an unexpected amount of national, uh, publicity due to the number of you know journalism tv grads that they have <laughs> and they're clearly the smallest school in the in the big 10 and they have the biggest endowment it's so weird it really is <laughs> i'm telling you i and i i love northwestern they're like my uh uh, second favorite team as growing up as a kid. I'm, I live 15 minutes in that direction from Northwestern right now. Um, and yeah, it's so weird because the, the fan support there is, is, is hot and cold. They have probably the best though practice facility in the nation overlooking Lake Michigan. It's gorgeous. It has brought in so many recruits. The recruiting is so high. 
They got a brand new um, stadium. And like you said, they're in Chicago. So they got the greatest media market. But most of their alumni are not here. They've moved so far away. There's a stat out there that says that there's more North. I'm sorry. There's more of every other Big Ten alumni in Chicago than Northwestern. Uh, I think that changed when Maryland and Rutgers joined. Uh, but but that was a shocking stat. And now the big donor to Northwestern, uh, Mr. Ryan, just donated $480 million, one check, to renovate Ryan Field. So I could go on Northwestern probably longer than you wanted me to right there. But I just Can I sneak my roof into that? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> my gosh. Just, just slide that in the little. I'll never notice. Four hundred eighty million. Holy crap! I, I I had to look at that number again because I thought I heard it wrong. It's right. I mean, is and then is what? he the the Boone Pickens of? Yes, he is of the he, of the. Exactly. Uh, yep, you know, Big it. Ten. He is. He absolutely is. And Northwestern is changing. Evanston is changing. It's becoming this much better college town, and it's it's you know the fans are still weird. They're up and down and they're weird, but it's 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 got everything there. And then they got a coach, Pat Fitzgerald, has been there 17 years. You know, oh, like, he, he's probably one of the most underrated college football coaches yes, there he's is. He's gotten every offer on the planet. He'll probably be offered Nebraska's job. He's gotten everything. So you know, uh, it's interesting. But he's I, he's I, a I, lifer. I'm 100. Oh, totally. By this point, he has to be. I'm I'm equally fascinated by Northwestern too. So sorry, I went on a tangent there, but I think it's fascinating. <laughs> We like tangents. No apologies all needed. All good. We do tangents. <laughs> good. Periodically. Uh, see, now Dan's gone, so somebody needed to pick up the tangent. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> now somebody needs to start talking about Temple. <laughs> oh, I was just going to bring up pork roll again. <laughs> That's right. I thought he was wrong with that. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Mark's not here. Are you going to bring up uh, all the women Mark meets in various places, too? <laughs> he meets them for pork roll. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, look, in the, look in the crystal ball. Okay. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to predict who's going who's gonna to win the uh, national championship or who's going to win a game in, in what day and on, on any certain date or whatnot. Um, what do you think? What do you think college football looks like in 2032? Uh, I think, I think at that time, or at least close to that time, you're going to have Pac-12 will be gone. I think you're going to have four or five power conferences. SEC and the big 10 aren't going anywhere. I think the Big 12 is starting to gain strength. They, they added BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. So that's huge because those, those are um, some – yeah, I just wanted to check my notes. Those are some amazing pickups, to be honest. I think the ACC sticks around, but I think they all grow. And I think an ACC will start picking up a Marshall and an Appalachian State and those kind of teams that are really showing that they can play with the big boys. Um, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if some teams drop down a level because they, they're starting to fall out of the, um, the picture a little bit. Um, so, you know, or, or there's some sort of split. I don't know. Like, and there's two different divisions. Not too sure about that. But I do feel that there will be 
you know, I'm just going to say four major power conferences, um, the playoffs, uh, maybe 12, maybe 16 at that point. And, you know, um, I think bowl games will still be around, but probably less of them. Um, and, you know, especially with, you know, and I know this is a tangent you want to talk about at some point too, but like the transfer portal and NIL, those things are perfect for this environment you know what i mean constantly transferring and talent spreading and more money for the players and more advertising and you know it just you know more is more in this sport right now and um i think that's what you'll see in 2032 just more all right dave you took my my question and kind of made it weird but it made it weird I was going to ask you, are we looking at a time where there's going to be three Division One levels? Right now we're at two. I, are we going to see like the, you know, the, big, the big four conferences, then a mid-range, and then the FCS? I'd be, I, it, that almost feels like kicking a Vanderbilt out of the SEC. It's just a little bit, you know what I mean? Because these, there you have teams, maybe 30 of them, I'm just throwing out a number, that worked their butt off to get up here or have been here for so long. Um, but you know, maybe they start seeing the writing on the wall that a championship for them is just not in the works. Uh, you know, um, I, if you had asked me this 10 years ago, I'd have said, yes, now I'm confused, um, by everything. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, yeah, I think you could split and have a power five and a group of five completely yeah. different. And they each have their own championship. They can play each other now and again, and some group of fives can make their way up to the power five um, and can expand. But now I just don't know. I think what's more likely right. is, that the, is that the playoffs will just keep expanding. That feels to me more likely, okay, yeah. and that bowl games will start to dissolve. Um, I, I, I want to say not. I want to say that bowl games will keep going because I love them, and I think that they're really good. I love the, the one thing I love about college football. One thing I love about college football is that at the end of the year, many teams walk away with the trophy. You know, many teams have a championship to celebrate, ending on a good year. I mean, I still love it when Wisconsin is eight and four, but still wins a bowl game. Like, that's cool. Like, it's great. Like, um, but I, I, think, I think that as much as I want to say I'm hang on to them, if the playoffs keep expanding uh, under this more is more mentality, I think bowl games start to dissolve. I may be asking the same question just in a different way right now. Do you think uh, – I can open this up to everybody. Do you think that some of these teams are going to just, like you said, see the writing on the wall and say, you know what, this just isn't worth it for us anymore, and they're going to voluntarily drop down? I think, I think teams that have recently joined might, like the James Madisons and the Sam Houstons, and those might feel more likely to, but it would be hard for me to, to imagine um, – say a USF, um, South, South Florida, they're a pretty big school there. They're looking at getting a brand new stadium in 2026. They're putting a lot of money into this. I don't see a team like that. Thinking, no, no, they're going to say, no, we, uh, we're as good as UCF. We can be a UCF. And, uh, you know, we got a brand new stadium coming along and we're putting all this investment in so that we can be a part of this conversation. You know, I think a lot of teams like, like that, are working really hard to put the investment and the money into being relevant. And they aren't just going to walk away quietly. I think the, um, the schools that are in trouble that might actually do that are the ones that don't bring a market to the table. 
So we yep. talked about an Oregon state. We talked, you know, Corvallis. Yeah. Corvallis, right. um, Pullman, Washington. Right. Uh, and, and even some of those, like, like the days of those, unless they've already built themselves to be these massive powers, like an Alabama or a, a Texas A&M, right. Schools like that, that don't bring a big TV market to the table. I don't think they're attractive to these big conferences. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Alabama has now made themselves sort of a national, like maybe like not a national America's, brand. Yeah. America's favorite team to hate or, or whatever. Uh, but, but these schools that are in, in the middle of nowhere that don't bring a big market to the table. I think those are the ones that, that get pushed out. They get shut out. That have to think. Well, hmm. I don't. I don't think there's a chance for us to get into one of these big power conferences. Well, that's where I wonder if a fifth power conference might be created. I think it's hard to say Washington State and Oregon State. There's a hell of a lot of alumni. You should have seen. I was impressed with Washington State showing at uh, Wisconsin this weekend. I mean, it was like maybe three to five thousand, but that's a big. That's a big chunk in a seventy-five thousand, eighty thousand seat stadium. Um, and talking with state fans, Washington State fans after, I mean, they were psyched and there's, there's a strong alumni base. I wonder more about teams like Washington State and Oregon State. I hear you about the market. They might argue, hey, we got Portland and hey, Seattle's close enough. Um, but how about I, a team like Connecticut? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so let's take teams like, let's look at the Middle American Conference. Let's look at Conference USA. Let's look at teams like Western Kentucky and Bowling Green, Kentucky. That to me, they just joined the FBS back in the mid 2000s. Um, you know, they're a good example of a team with you know vibrant fan base and they're wonderful. And I'm not saying anything negative about them, but I am saying that they are a type of team that could get swept uh, under the rug. You know, I think Oregon State and Washington State. Um, uh, well, I, I get your point. I don't. I, they're just far too traditional to just go away. Um, but it's those Western Kentuckys, the Connecticut's, a lot of the Mac schools, um, uh, you know, the Sun- yeah, I see, I think, I think like the Mac, the Mac sees what it is and it knows what it is and it accepts what it is. Right. Uh, I, I see like, you know, those, those other schools that we talked about, the Oregon States, the, 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 uh, Washington States. Are you um, saying they wouldn't accept stepping down to like a Mac level conference? I think that they're going to be pushed to that kind of Mac level. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. Um, that's the Mac a, or the WAC or what else? Mountain West, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. See, now I would say on the flip end that a conflict of Mountain West could could rise up to a power five. You know, uh, take in your Oregon States and your Arizonas, your Arizona States, your Washington States. Um, and that's the kind of conference that I could see growing to a, you know, um, a significant conference if you want to talk 2032 and beyond. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine. This is my, this is my traditionalist brain speaking. It's just hard for me to imagine core teams that have been part of that conference forever to just go away, you know, um, forever, forever. Forever. <laughs> nice. Well done. But, well done. but here's a here's an angle to think about. Mm-hmm. 
between college football, the NFL, mm-hmm. major sports, it's the last gasp of network and cable television. Like they're spending their money to stay where they are. If they can't pull the viewership, right? If cord cutters or cable cutters or whatever they call them, like if they're changing the landscape, you know, then what drives the bus if there's no TV? Yeah. Are you able to create some sort of streaming national thing that, that people are going to subscribe to? I, I don't know. Um, well, what one of my big questions is is what what happens to sports if network TV falters or if cable TV falters? You know, and it all becomes streaming. Yeah, I mean, TV has developed so much. I mean, like, I mean, that's wow. That's that is that is speculative. <laughs> like, I wasn't ready for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I literally just switched from cable to YouTube TV. So I'm always like five years behind the trend. So it's hard for me to uh, get it. Um, Jeez, if you're five years behind the trend, I don't even think we can get YouTube TV up here. (laughs) (laughs) We're really in the backwater. (laughs) I I, I don't know what you, I still have an iPhone 10. I don't know if that means anything. Uh, I don't even, you know, I don't even get if that means anything. That's how far off I am. Um, I don't know. I, what I do know is that a lot of these networks are starting to get involved with these major conferences. So, you know, like I said, Fox and CBS and NBC all joining the Big Ten. ESPN, for the first time in 40 years, is not going to be associated with the Big Ten. So the ESP, ESPN's going to need something, I mean, to, to fill in their gaps. So, I mean, I, I mean, I can see them picking up whatever they can. ESPN, for God's sakes, they sh- they'll show anything. ESPN 1, 2, U, 8, 12, they'll show it all. ESPN um, 8. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm not worried about the marketing and television. People will continue to consume. This sport is more is more. It just is. And so if, if it means creating more to watch more, when I started watching, then it'll happen. When I started watching college football, it was a treat. It was a miracle to see a Mac team on TV. The only time I got to watch a Mac team was when they played in the old Las Vegas Bowl when it was the Mac versus the Big West, it was. I remember getting excited for that. It was the first bowl game of the year. It was like December 10th, and it would be these two teams. No one would show up, and I'd watch it, of course, because I was the only one. But, um, but that was it. Now the Mac, you can watch them anywhere, anytime. It doesn't matter if they're 0-11 teams playing in on Thanksgiving weekend, it's on. Um, so, you know, there's money to be had. There's more money to be had with network, but I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think TV is going to destroy any conferences. I think it's building conferences right now. At least that's the trend. Do you think the, uh, the cupcake games are gone? That's where, a, you know, I'm Alabama is yeah. going to pay 4 million bucks for, Southwest Alabama A and M Tech to, yeah. to come up and lose by eighty seven. I know. I just was at Auburn and Mercer. I mean, Lord have Mercer, y'all. 
Um, <laughs> it was, it was not, uh, it was, I mean, you know, the bands were coming up to me and saying, you should have come to a bigger game. And I said, well, I wanted to come to a game that Auburn win this year because I wanted to roll the trees after. That's one of the big traditions. I got a few bad looks, but they also said, I understand. Um, do I, I, do I think the Mercers are gone? Yes. I think they're gone. Because I think that even those will elevate. I mean, then, the, the, you know, Western Kentucky is the new Mercer. You know what I mean? Let's put it that way. Um, I think you're going to have, if you're going to get a break game, it's going to be one of those tougher teams that are trying to move their way up into the Power Five. Now, does Alabama have to pay Western Kentucky? Ooh, you mean like in the future? Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Mercer wasn't going to Auburn just for kicks. I mean, they were getting paid by Auburn to go there. Oh, of course they were. I was just wondering if you meant if that's going to change in the future. Um, yeah. Do you think, like, do you think Alabama ha- has to pay Western Kentucky to come and play at Alabama in the, in the cupcake bowl or whatever? That's hard to predict. I mean, it really, I mean, I guess, I mean, because um, I guess that would make sense because that's, that's something that's going to hurt those lower teams, right? Like mm-hmm. they're not going to have, I mean, they, they come up and they, and they're all wide eyed and, and they're going to get killed, but their athletic department's getting some serious bank. Right. right? I mean, and that's, and that's kind of why they're avoiding that, you know, the Western Kentuckys, the Appalachian States, like Appalachian State beating Texas A&M is good for Appalachian State to a point. They're not going to get to schedule those those games. Like now that they've got two big, huge signature wins like that, Alabama's going to go, and I'm just picking Alabama out of nowhere. Why would I schedule them? I mean, we could lose that game. Or like North North Carolina. That might be a well, better well, example. Because by the time Why would I schedule Appalachian State? Like that could wreck our whole season. Yeah, because by the time we have four Power Five conferences, every game's going to be tough, and Appalachian State's going to look like a break. Um, you know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, Appalachian State, I loved why I loved what the university posted after they beat Texas A&M. Thanks for the 1.5 mil. <laughs> well done. Um, but you know, but you, to your point too, those games are going to be important for the, um, Appalachian state is, is likely to be a power five team someday because of those opportunities. Um, and if those opportunities go away, then you're, you're not going to have much room for growth. Um, I'd love to see those games still happen. Um, so that those lower teams have a chance and have relevancy. Um, but you know, that's, there has to be a cap at some point, right? I mean, there does, I mean, you can't keep what are we at one thirty three next year. Um, see, I, I'm going to disagree. I don't think Appalachian state ever makes it to a power conference because they don't bring enough. Like they've been very successful on the field, but I don't think they bring enough off the field where a power conference is going to go. Yep. We got to have Appalachian state. I hear you. So you're speaking from the money perspective in that case. Yeah, absolutely. But then then that comes back to, you know, um, would it, would the big 10 get rid of Purdue? They're in the middle of fricking nowhere, you know, very true. So it's like, you know, I, I don't know if that matters. Um, is it, is there any, is there any, um, uh, any worth in being close enough to Charlotte? you know, and stuff like that. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing a little bit here, but there are a lot of successful teams that are in low markets that would never move. Um, you know, and, and you might get to a point where you have 20 teams in the SEC and 20 teams in the Big 10 and 20 teams in the Big 12 and the ACC stuck with 14. Well, you know, we have to pick some teams that are going to, that are going to have, you're going to run out of markets after a while, right? So if you, you know, you want to, you want to fill it up with what you can that people recognize Appalachian State's at least becoming a brand name for being a team that is, um, you know, scary to play. I mean, everybody, no one wants to play Appalachian State. That's a good thing. Um, that, that makes them relevant. People want to, well, I think more people would be interested in watching Appalachian State and Texas A&M and versus Eastern Michigan and Texas A&M. So, you know, there's some play there. Jeez, I, I think you guys could uh, just keep on going on forever here. <laughs> but uh, Andrew, since this is the Stadium Journey podcast, let's talk a little bit about uh, – the chase for 133 and uh what's what's new this year or what what ha- where have you been that you can uh tell us about i opened up at utep uh, which was fun it was there for less than 24 hours uh we got the sun bowl is gorgeous if you can get to the sun bowl it's beautiful it is carved into the mountain and i spent time taking more pictures over the edge of the stadium than i did of the stadium i thought it was fun to see um UTEP was great. Uh, we went to Auburn the week after that. That was Labor Day. That completed the SEC for me. So I'm ready to start ranking my SECs, including right. Texas and Oklahoma. So that's fine. Do it. Do it. Give us a preview. I will. I will. I can tell you that. Uh, I'll tell you right now that Texas A&M and, L- Texas A&M and LSU would be, uh, would be lurching towards the, the top, top part of that. So that's all I'll give you right now. Um, uh, so Wisconsin for these past two weeks i have some friends coming in from out of town so i love to show them madison but i i've been to madison over 120 times now so i always love to go back uh been to at least one game there every year since 1992 um the rest of the year i've got washington going there gonna sail gate out on uh, lake washington there i've got uh, eastern michigan going to penn state's whiteout game this year against minnesota which i'm looking forward to i got a Doubleheader in Dallas, going to SMU on a Friday and North Texas on a Saturday. Um, going to hit Clemson for the first year. I've had a lot of Clemson fans kind of barking up my back about that one, so I'm going to finally silence those those fellas. And then closing the year this year with a doubleheader uh, in Thanksgiving weekend, going to go to the Florida at Florida State game, and then UCF at USF the next day in Tampa. That's so that'll hit, that'll hit 100 there. And then I'm hoping to get to the Holiday Bowl and the Rose Bowl to close the year. Not, not confirmed yet, but working on it. But we'll hit 100 this year in Tampa. That's fantastic. Geez, you're going to all these big places. I went to a brand new Division One stadium this weekend, uh, an FCS school. We went to the first Division One game for Stonehill College in their massive 2,000-seat stadium, the WB Mason Stadium little bit different in scale than the places you're talking about but still it's so cool and what you're describing i mean that's what's so cool about this sport is that there's so much excitement at all levels i think it's really really cool so uh everybody who's listening can follow your uh your travels and your recaps and your rankings at uh, collegefootballtour.com right yeah that is the website where i will write an article for every game and stadium that i've been to 
Um, you can follow me on Twitter at college underscore FB underscore tour. Um, Instagram and YouTube, just search college football tour, all one word, and you'll get me. I guess that sounds like a natural place to segue into our, our exit interviews here. Uh, Dan, where can our listeners follow you? Dan Law 83. All right. Mark's not here with us tonight, but uh, you can follow him at Ballpark Hunter. Dave, how about you? Any uh, stadium journeys going on? And uh, where can our listeners follow you? Well, we're, we're into the uh, fall ball season for my son's baseball. So nothing huge, uh, but I will be continuing some OUA football just uh, around the corner, though. So we got some Laurier Golden Hawks some Waterloo Warriors. And you can follow those at ProFan9 on Twitter and Instagram. All right. And, well, you don't have a busy weekend, but I certainly do. Uh, Friday night, I'm schlepping up to Boston uh, for the Boston Pride Championship Ring Ceremony. I am part of it, baby. So, uh, Ryan Burgess, if you're listening, you can just suck it. Um, (laughs) All I heard was Boston Pride. (laughs) Hey. Uh, yeah, I always thought that was a really weird name for the hockey team. <laughs> they named their team the Boston Pride. So if you if you <coughs> excuse me, if you go online and look up Boston Pride, you don't end up with the women's pro hockey team. You end up <laughs> definitely in a different place. Although the Bo- Boston Pride disbanded, I don't know if you're aware of that. They were like one of the first big uh, LBGTQ, and I'm sorry, I know I screwed up. Oh no, don't before, worry, you're fine. You got all the letters, big- a little out of order. It's okay. <laughs> but they were one of the first big organizations, right? You know, for, for gay pride and stuff. And they've disbanded. I don't know why, but they're not a thing anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, but the, the uh, women's pro hockey team is the Boston Pride, and uh, I do the awesome. PA for them. And uh, our ring ceremony, back-to-back champions, baby, um, Saturday, Friday night. So uh, at the very least, I'm going to get a fancy meal out of the whole deal. Uh, Saturday, I've got my own college football doubleheader. Uh, I'll be behind the mic at UMass Dartmouth at uh, Cressy Field in the, early in the afternoon. Then I'm heading up to Boston College for a nightcap. And then on Sunday, I'm off to Mohegan Sun Arena, hopefully, to see game four of the WNBA Finals. So if somebody, if Vegas does not sweep the series and end it on Thursday, someone is going to be in line to possibly win a title that night. So that should be fun. You can follow all my travels at Puckman RI. And remember, you can find all of our stadium reviews, news items, and other feature stories on our website, stadiumjourney.com. You can follow us, connect with us on all of our social media channels at Stadium Journey. If you're looking for the podcast, you can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network or go to HIAC Talk Radio Network.com, right? No, HIAC Talk Radio.com. I know I was going to screw that up. Um, But anyway, you can go there to find audio versions of the podcast. Video podcasts can be found at Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And old episodes, our classic back catalog, I like to call them, can still be found at vocnation.com. And we stream live every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at danlaw.tv. You too can join our studio audience. And thanks, Andrew. Thanks once again for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you. And this was a very intelligent, in-depth conversation. I'm glad I could listen to it and not interrupt it too much. Again, follow Andrew's travels at collegefootballtour.com. We'll be back in two weeks. That puts us at September 27th. Wow. September's going to be almost over by then. Where does the time go? We'll be talking about the Savannah Bananas. 
And if their commitment to playing banana ball full time is going to be a mistake. Hope to see you all then.